Uh, my name's Eric. If you don't know me, I'm the lead pastor here at our Riverdale campus of Alpine Church. And it is very fitting today that we're talking about spiritual warfare because 21 years ago today, we opposed and fought and suffered against evil forces coming against us and attacking us, which started a war. Today is 9-11, and, and on this day 21 years ago, there were 19 evil men, Islamic terrorists, who organized themselves in such a way to hijack four airplanes on U.S. soil and proceed to um, kill nearly 3,000 people in three different states. Um, many of you remember this iconic photo, this, this memory that many of us can't uh, get out of our heads, this such an evil experience, an evil day where many of us were so shocked. People always ask that question, do you remember where you were on that day? I remember uh, I was at high school actually, just, just uh, showing up to school and, and our teacher showed it on the news. And I remember everybody being so shocked and, and fearful about what was to come. And I believe this, this really revealed to us how evil men and women are out there in the world, how evil the world is, and that there's got to be a force out there that is so utterly depraved and opposed against God that can, can do something as disgusting as this is that happened on our soil here in America. Uh, FBI believes that it was uh, Osama bin Laden was the mastermind of this whole thing. And he too took credit for all of this. Without ever having to put a foot on uh, US soil, he was able to mastermind something that, um, again, we'll never forget. And he too is the face of evil. But the thing is about all of this is that there's been many more evil things and evil people out there in the world that have, that have done things similar to this. But there is a force of evil. These people come and go, but there's a force of evil that has been here from the beginning and will continue on until God says it's time. Um, and I believe that just like Bin Laden was able to have his minions use this, um, this evil plan to come against America for war. As deluded as he was to think that he could actually conquer such a great nation, I think today the person that we're talking about is very similar with greater power. The devil we're going to talk about today who is so deluded in his mind that he thinks that he can fight against God and his people and eventually win, or he is just so angry and opposed to God's people that he uses demons, fallen angels, we're going to get into this, but he uses them to fight against God's people and ultimately fight against God, to come against the truth. He has influence over the world, and influence evil even over our flesh. In our key verse of this series is Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. We read this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan, the spirit that is 
now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What this is saying here is this, that the world is a system, as we've talked about already, that is opposed to God, but set up by Satan himself, and we, in our natural state, in our flesh, also followed him. And we set up this whole world system in the first place. And so we, too, before we came to know Christ, followed an evil ruler that was opposed to God. So with that, today we are in our fourth week of the series, Spiritual Warfare. We're going to talk all about Satan and demons. And as it said earlier, he was the prince. The, the, you, you've got to understand that uh, the, the position of a prince is a position of authority and ruler. It's a leadership position. And so demons are subject to Satan. He does lead them. This is his team against God. We're going to get more into this. And I, I want to look at scripture. There's not a ton of scripture about Satan and demons. If you, there's a lot of folklore out there. Uh, we want to find out the truth about our enemy so that we can learn to fight our enemy. But there's not a ton of scripture about it. There's a lot more scripture about heaven and Jesus and, and God. And, and there's just little to, do, to work with. And so we've got to compile it all together to make our conclusions about this enemy that we face. But if we're going to succeed in war, we have to know our enemy. So I'm going to start out with five things about demons, and then I'm going to talk about five things about Satan. Now, it's, it feels kind of weird right off the bat, just like bringing this up, you know. It's like, oh, geez, this is, this is a downer, you know. We're talking, like, can anyone really say, man, I'm excited for this one, you know, or this, is, uh, this, this makes me happy, you know, and excited. No, like, it, it can be scary, I think, for a lot of people, especially you know, with Hollywood and, um, or people that have really faced opposition and oppression from evil forces beyond just our own sin or the, the world. And so, again, I want to quickly run through some of these things so that we can understand the truth about our enemy and the truth about who God is in relation to our enemy. So we're going to go real quick through these. The first thing is that demons are fallen angels, they are created beings that were kicked out of heaven. Matthew 25, 41, Jesus says this, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. All right, and so if you ever wondered about hell, um, God created hell as a place for punishment for the devil and his angels. Now, he didn't have angels before he was an angel himself, we're going to get into that, but, but the, the Bible and many scholars and theologians believe that a third of the angels fell when, when Satan himself fell, and he, he, he was able to influence a large group of angels to fall and sin with him, and so they were kicked out of heaven. That's what it means, fallen angels, because they were kicked down, down to hell or down to earth. Second Peter 2, 4, for God did not spare even the angels who sinned, he threw them into hell in the gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. But that's, so these verses are saying, they're talking about hell, so demons have been cast to hell, but here we are here on earth. And so the struggle is with scripture and theology is where do we 
find the, that there are, there are demons here on earth trying to get at people like his minions trying to oppress and oppose God's people. Well, the, the truth is this. Some are bound in hell and some are not. Jude 1.6 again says, I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness waiting for the great day of judgment. So there apparently are angels that have been, that are fallen, that sinned, that we don't have to be concerned about at all because they're locked up. But yet Ephesians 6 also tells us that we don't fight against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so I don't think we can fully comprehend the whole spiritual realm versus the physical earth um, concept. It's hard to grasp what's going on in the spiritual realm and, and how much power that these evil spirits have in this world, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that we believe the Bible, and the Bible does say that we do fight and war against demonic oppression. And even in Jesus' day, he cast out demons, people that were uh, being oppressed and ruled over by. When Jesus stepped on the scene, um, it, was, it was causing and exacerbating all kinds of spiritual things going on because the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world, and so basically he had come down and was like making this his home with his minions, and then finally God steps on earth and it screws up everything for them. And so we do see demonic activity in the physical world as well. But demons have very limited power because when Jesus did step on the scene, um, it says in Matthew 8, 16, that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. A single word. It's not very powerful being if Jesus can say one word and they're gone, right? So I want you to understand that these beings have limited power. These are created beings. I want you to remember this, that they are not equal with God. But God created everything. God who existed for eternity as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Trinity created everything, even angels, even the fallen ones, and they ultimately have to obey Jesus. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and therefore they have to obey him. But that brings up kind of a, a struggle. Why do they exist then? Why are they still allowed to roam the earth and cause all these issues and problems? Well, again, that's where this concept of God's sovereignty is, is that the, the only reason that they exist is God, God wills them to exist. Because if it was not in his will that they existed, they would be gone. But for whatever reason, God uses all things together for good. He can even use evil for his own purposes. For discipline of his own people, he can use it as judgment on people and nations. And so, again, we've got to have this big concept about God to, to understand God and to understand Scripture and ultimately why demons are still allowed to exist. 
But the other thing about this is that even though he created them, he allows them to exist, we do fight against them. We do struggle in this life, and, but every Christian can fight them. When Jesus sent out 72 disciples to go prepare uh, in these different towns for him to go preach the gospel, they went out, and it says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. They were so excited that, you know, as they were going around trying to share the good news in, in, in a land that was being controlled demonically, and people who were being oppressed by the enemy, they came up against opposition because that's what happens. Because ultimately, uh, demons and Satan are against the work of God. And when, when the gospel is being preached and when God is moving, certainly there's a lot of demonic and evil activity that comes up against it. That's exactly what was happening here. And, and they too were using the name of Jesus to cast out these demons. Now, there's... Now, we shouldn't be running around, you know, looking for demons or ghost hunting or whatever and, and thinking, I've got the, all this authority. Well, the power is in Jesus. The power does not reside in us. We're not to go running around looking for demons and trying to fight them like the Ghostbusters or something like that. We are, just when we are doing the Lord's work, we need to remember that we do have power in Jesus' name. We can fight against these forces. We do not have to live in fear. Because we are adopted and children of the God who created them. And so that leads me to this last thing. Demons cannot possess Christians. Now this has been a, a debated topic, I think, for a long time. Because people who have said or believe that they are Christians have certainly acted evil or lived like they were being possessed by demons, all right? Um, and and I, have, I have a theory and I have an opinion about this, but, but the reality is, is demons cannot possess Christians. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, Are you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. He's saying, Real Christians have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. So we're not going to have an evil spirit um, dwelling alongside the Holy Spirit inside of us. That's just not possible. It's not going to happen. God wouldn't allow it to happen. Now, can we be oppressed and can we be attacked? And can we, as I talked about last week, open the door to demonic activity? Yes. So I believe there are three distinctions in demonic attack, and I would say one is possession for the unbeliever. Uh, but, but for two, the, for believers, I would say demons can oppress and attack us, and demonization is another topic where I would say when we open the door, as I talked about last week, through drunkenness, through wild parties, through unrepentant sin then certainly we're saying, yes, come along and, and, and I'm going to give my control over to you rather than the Holy Spirit. Because Ephesians 5.18 said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. When I choose to, to not follow the Spirit, but to give over the control of my mind um, to another substance or another, another uh, chemical, something that is used for evil, then certainly I can be demonized, okay? Again, 2 Corinthians 1.22, he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. 
as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. We don't have to live in fear as Christians that if we go out and do God's work, somehow we could suck up a demon into us. We can have confidence knowing that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and that we cannot be possessed by demons. All right, so we made it through five things about demons. Now we're going to talk about their ruler, Satan himself. I want to talk about five things about Satan. He is just a fallen angel as well. Uh, Demons are fallen angels, and he is just a fallen angel like them. There's two passages in the Old Testament that give us this idea that he was kicked out of heaven because of his pride. In Isaiah 14, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. So Satan's name was Lucifer before he was kicked out of heaven. Lucifer means bringer of light. That's where we get shining star or Uh, morning star that was his angelic name but when he was kicked out of heaven he was called satan which means adversary or the devil which means slanderer his name was changed he's now he was a guardian cherub is what ezekiel 28 says it says you were in eden the garden of god i adorned ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. I expelled you, O mighty guardian. Your heart was filled with pride because of all of your beauty. So, apparently, through all the scripture we can gather, we understand that Satan was an angel of authority, um, maybe of higher authority than regular angels, and that he was kicked out of heaven because he was prideful. He, there's the five I wills in Isaiah. You should go read these passages. Study them in your small group. You can talk more about this. Um, but he says, I will, five times. He was jealous of God and wanted to be God. And so his pride has blinded him to think that he can really win against God and really become God. And God kicked him out of heaven. But the great thing, again, with him being a created being is he still has to even ask God for permission to do anything to God's people. If you've ever heard of the book of Job, it's a a long story of how a man named Job uh, suffered a lot of uh, just terrible trials in his life. And it all started in, in chapter 1. Uh, Here's what it says. Now there was a day when the sons of God, those are angels, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. This is after he had fallen. The The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it, right? And so, as I said, the Satan and his demons were, were cast down to the earth, some in hell, that God is, is, is still preparing a place for the devil and his angels, all of them to go one day. But he's walking up and down on the earth. And what happens in the story is that Satan says to God in this spiritual realm where apparently, you know, the God can, they can communicate to one another. Uh, the, whatever the existence of hell is now in heaven, there's, there's a great chasm, but somehow and angels and even fallen angels can, can talk and war against each other in a spiritual realm. I know this is all like 
there's a lot going on here. You know, this is like a, this is like a, a seminary lecture on angels and demons right now. So, but this was the only way we could get through this to help you understand, to get rid of some of the, the folklore and the false beliefs out there, and also so that we can understand our enemy. And, and what's interesting about this is that when Satan goes up to, to God and says, you know, your servant Job, the only reason he loves you is because he's so blessed, because he has it all. And he hasn't really ever experienced any opposition or, or pain in his life. And so Satan says, let me do some things to him. And the crazy thing is, is that God says, okay. Right? And so this is going to blow your mind because it's going it's, it's to uh, dispel that idea that there's some kind of, of equal uh, evil and good out there in the world like, like yin yang, you know, like yin and yang, like they have to, they're, they're equally powerful and oppose each other and it's this balance that has to happen, which is just a false way of belief, a false faith. No, Satan is a created being whom God allows and uses. God uses Satan and demons in the world for, like I said, Discipline, for reproof, for correction, and for judgment on nations and people who are not his people. But he's just a fallen angel. He is definitely limited in power as well. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He can't be the one reading all your minds, you know. He, he, he's not everywhere all at once like God is. God's everywhere all at once, but Satan is not. That's why he has to use all these minions to go do his dirty work, all right? Satan, though, is opposed to God's work, as, as, as I said. Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So there is this opposite type of behavior of evil. God wants to bless us through Jesus Christ Satan wants to steal that all away. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to kill and destroy. If God is everything good and he's banished Satan out of heaven and out of his presence and one day is going to be in hell where only the wrath and judgment of God will be on who Satan knows this about himself, then Satan then is everything evil. That's, thus he wants to steal, kill, and destroy and do that to each one of us. And he is on the prowl. He is hunting vulnerable Christians. 1 Peter 5.8, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I'm not a zoologist at all, but I, I did do a little bit of research on how lions hunt. And I think this is very interesting how the Bible itself uses analogies and lions, for the most part, will hunt vulnerable species. And the, it's usually at nighttime when, when an animal gets all alone. And then they'll, they'll kind of stalk and prowl and then finally attack. You know, they're not usually running up into a giant herd of animals. Sometimes that does happen. But this reminds me of a, a vulnerable Christian is one who's separated from the pack. A vulnerable Christian is someone who is alone, who is isolated, who is not a part of the church, who is not part of a group, who is not being poured into, who is not in the word of God, who is not walking by the spirit. 
vulnerable Christians are very susceptible to attack by the lion, uh, the roaring lion, the devil himself. Now, certainly he also does disrupt church often. It's crazy. Ever since we started this spiritual warfare series, there's a lot that's been going on. And sometimes with, uh, you know, spiritual warfare, uh, I did, I went through this class once and the, the professor said that, you know, when, when, when things just don't make any sense at all, when it's so chaotic but there's no explanation about it, but it it's feels like evil coming towards you and at you and things are happening all over the place, like, you have to believe that Satan at least has some part of it because he's trying to disrupt and cause chaos and he is trying to separate us, make us feel f- fearful, vulnerable, so that we can be attacked. I had to add in here, otherwise it wouldn't be a sermon if I didn't give you something practical and ex- exhortation to, to, to give you, uh, to do, to fight against this. Here's what James says about the devil. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In the, con- the context of this passage, James is talking about people who are worldly and prideful. People who are sucked away by the world's desires, wanting to be like the world and do everything that everybody else is doing. That is what Satan uses to get at us in the first place. And then certainly the greatest sin of all, whom he is most guilty of, is pride. And so when we think we're strong enough... And when we think we can live however we want, certainly there is, we are totally open to attack against the devil. But when we submit to God and we draw near to him, we don't have to worry. Like I said, you know, we can't be possessed, obviously, but even beyond that, we are children of God. And when we are close to God, all of that power, evil cannot penetrate. Evil cannot come up against at all. And so for you and for me, I mean, the practical thing about this is... If you are afraid of evil and afraid of Satan and demons, then why wouldn't you get as close to God as you possibly could? If, if that was the solution, right, like, like to get into the safe zone, right? You're, you're behind enemy lines and you need to get into the safe zone, then, then getting as close to God as you possibly could is the solution then to be safe. That is our solution when fighting against the enemy. Satan's greatest tool is deceit. John 8, 44, Satan has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and father of lies. Lies does not exist until Satan came around. He's been lying and sinning from the beginning. That's what he does. That comes, that's his very nature. His very nature is to be a liar. And then so, so being a liar then, he is the mastermind of false faith, false teaching, false religions, twisting scripture. You remember back in the garden, he twisted scripture to get the first human beings to sin. And he still does it now. And the thing is, is, is people think Satan is, on, is, is hanging out in graveyards, or he's at haunted houses, right? Or, or only at seances with, with Satan worshipers. But the reality is Satan is in churches. Demon are, demons are in churches. Demons 
are the head of a lot of churches, and I would say of every false church. A lot of people think it was just some crazy guy that started this religion, but the Bible tells us that at the head of every false church is a demon. Paul says that when, when pagans sacrifice idols to gods, they're actually sacrificing to demons. In 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 14, Satan and his demons influence human beings to be false teachers and false prophets and false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ, but I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You see, there are things in the world and, and faiths and people like, oh, these people are good, or oh, they don't harm anybody. They do good things. They have good morals. They believe in good things. They have a form of Jesus Christ. And we think that somehow that, that there's some neutral ground out there in the world or, or that they're leaning more towards the truth and so they must be a part of the truth. But Satan's job is to masquerade himself as an angel of light so that he can take as many people as he can to hell with him. That's how he opposes God in the greatest way, is by his lies out there in all these false churches. 1 Timothy 4.1, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Men and women, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you here today... Why I'm so passionate about this, don't think it's because I'm judgmental. It's because there are lies out there that are leading people straight to hell and they think that they're going to heaven and this is Satan's, Satan's number one tactic against God's people. It's not just to cause chaos and to cause problems out there in the world, but it's to lie through religion and faith. Demons are at the head of every false church and I will tell you this. It was a satanically inspired religion that is one of the reasons that 9-11 happened. You know what I'm talking about. A belief that they were following God and doing the right thing. Extremist belief in a religion that people say, don't judge, don't judge. But I want you to understand that there is a true faith and everything else is deceptive and comes from Satan and his demons. Last thing, Satan will face God's judgment. It won't be this way forever. Revelation 20.10, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fire lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. It's interesting, you, you see how, how much Satan, in the, in the book of Revelation, you can see how much he wanted to be worshipped like God, he wanted to be God himself, and he was so deluded, he is still so deluded thinking that he can win, that he tries to set up his own trinity. It's the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet in, in the book of Revelation, and we call it the unholy trinity, and God will judge them and everyone who follows Satan and his leadership, all of the demons, but even people. If you go on, it says, everyone's name who is not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire with Satan and his demons. And this is the thing that scares me the most. It's not for me. 
And not for many of you who I know name is written in the book of life because you believe in Jesus Christ. But there are many people, maybe some in this room here today, and many of our loved ones and people we come in contact with every day who have not trusted in Jesus. And therefore are just like we read in Ephesians 2, following after the prince of the power of the air and by nature are children of wrath. And when God's wrath will be poured out in the end, the question is who will be God's people? Who will be written in the book of life? It is a free gift. This is why we do what we do. This is why God has left us here and he has not come back yet because God's desire is that many people would come to the Lord and be saved and accept that he came 2,000 years ago to take care of this sin problem, to take care of the enemy, to, to, to take away his power at the cross. We are already victors if you will trust and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so that you can be forgiven and you can be led to eternal life, not, a, not an eternal life in, in torment day and night forever and ever but eternal life with God in light where everything is good and loving and just forever and ever. This is a free gift for you and for me. And if you're here today and you haven't accepted that, I implore you to do that today. And if you are here and you have accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, but you have people in your life that haven't, I'm not saying to go beat them over the head with a Bible or tell them, you know, and, and be as blunt as you possibly could about that they're going to hell. But I want you to understand internally and in your mind that you're playing a war. You're, you're, in, a you're in a war against Satan for other people's souls in your family, in your friends, in your coworkers. You are at war with demons against the people around you that are unbelievers. And so just like he is tactical and organized, and very crafty, you and I are going to have to learn how to reach people. We're going to have to learn how to share, share the gospel with people. And ultimately, you don't have to become a professor or a theologian. You just need to know the easiest truth, which is Jesus Christ came and died to save sinners. And by Believing in that and sticking with that the rest of your life, not getting pulled into other false religions and teachings, sticking with scripture, the Bible, nothing needs to be added to it and nothing needs to be taken away from it, but believing in scripture that this is God's word for us, then you and I can continue in victory and take this war to the enemy until Christ comes and takes us home. Would you guys pray with me? Father, Father, thank you so much that you have not left us alone to fend for ourselves, to fight this enemy. God, we, we thank you for the knowledge that you give us of Scripture um, so that we, we can know how to live this life. I pray that we would take what we've learned here today and, and go out and be encouraged and ready to lace up our boots and to, to get into the the war that's going on out there. We can't sit on the sidelines anymore. You're, you're recruiting us. We've been, some of us have been pushing away that call or not taking it very seriously. God, but let us answer that call today and to, to fight on your side of the war, to be in your army. Give us what we need to do it. Equip us. Father, help us to know 
the power that we have in Jesus' name and help us to know the assurance of our faith and, and God, help us to learn how to share the gospel with other people. God, if there are people here in this room right now that still are just confused about this, blinded, the Bible says, blinded, their minds are blinded to the gospel because of Satan. Father, I pray you would lift that veil, lift that blindness. Holy Spirit, regenerate them, come into their hearts and their minds, help them to understand a truth that they've been pushing away and rebelling against so that they can have eternal life as well, Father. We just glorify you and thank you today. We know that you're sovereign. We have no worry about this. And so this is all in your hands and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.